Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be fun. Get out your sermon notes today. We are uh, looking at the victorious life, continuing the series, The Victorious Life. And I have been just chomping at the bit this week uh, to give you this word. Uh, as I help you, as we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, write this down. We talked about a couple of weeks ago that the pathway to victory runs through surrender, right? The pathway to victory runs through surrender. You need to surrender, wholeheartedly surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, then today you'll have the chance to give your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing, letter B, that last week we said vision is required for victory. You've got to have a vision. You need to be able to picture something, what life would be like if. That's a vision that you need to have. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that online. Go to our website, um, podcast, just go listen uh, to that message about vision. It's just, it's, it's very, very important because that's the next step in, in the victorious life. Today, uh, I told you last week that today we would be talking about overcoming temptation. Like, how do you live a victorious life, especially when you're being tempted as often as you're being tempted, and I'm being tempted just as often, everybody, and I'm going to prove that to you in Scripture. Let us see, write this down, that the victorious life is a lifestyle of overcoming sin, self, and Satan. Notice again, I say this every time and I'll keep saying it, I did not capitalize Satan on purpose because he don't deserve the credit, everybody. Little s, sin, self, and Satan. We have, we are, we have been called to overcome sin, self, and Satan. And that's the victorious life that we're talking about. A victorious life is when you, let me say, let me say it like this. A victorious life is an overcoming life. It's a life in which you overcome every single thing that the enemy, our adversary, would throw at us. How many in this room, by a show of hands, 100% participation, how many in this room want to be an overcomer? Yeah, me too. I want to be a too. Listen, I don't want to lose at, at life. I, in fact, I don't want to lose I don't want to lose in any area of, of my life, like ever. Like nobody likes to lose. Nobody does. And Jesus said, hey, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to give you abundant life. In fact, he said, listen, new song, he said that you and I are in Christ more than conquerors because of his strength that work within us. We are overcomers. That's what the Bible says. Well, how come some people don't live like an overcomer? Well, they struggle with temptation. They struggle with sin. We all struggle with temptation, by the way, and we all struggle with sin. I'm going to prove this to you in scripture. Uh, let's go to the book of James chapter one, starting at verse 12. That's where we're going to kick in here. I, I love this because uh, we all want to be blessed by God, right? Now watch what this says. James 1.12, God blesses, you're like, oh, I'm in, I want that, those who patiently endure testing and temptation, oh, and I don't like that, 
Like, I want to be blessed, but come on. Do I really have to live this life of, of enduring? Yes, you do, actually. Because for the rest of your life, you're going to be tempted. Let, let me say that again. For the rest of your life, you're going to face temptations. You'll never be exempt from temptation. Even Jesus was tempted in every single area that you're tempted in. He's faced those temptations. He just didn't give in. He was sinless. But you and I, we've given in. But I don't want to give in anymore. I don't want to live that life. So God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. Because God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Can I stop right there for a second? And I've heard this more than you can imagine. As a pastor, when people tell me these things, and I, I kind of stop and correct them because they say, well, God, God was just tempting me to do this, and I, I failed. And I, whoa, 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 no, 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 that's not in the Bible. Like, there is no evil in God whatsoever. He does not tempt you. But let me say this, does he allow testing? Yes, he allows testing. He allows you to be tested because testing, actually, it, 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 when, when you go through a test and you remain faithful, when you endure patiently that test you're going through, your faith increases and you'll become more of a man or woman of God than you've ever been. God allows testing. He wants you to know. And you say, well, well, why? Doesn't he already know my, where my heart is? Yeah, he does, but you don't. It's true. Because everybody, you might think, well, I got this thing all together until you face a test. And then you'll realize, oh, my faith maybe isn't as strong as I thought it was. And I know that to be true because I get a lot of phone calls of people on the other end in tears, dealing with a test, dealing with a trial. And they thought their faith was really strong. And then they realized, you know what? It's not as strong as they thought. And it's proof that they just need to grow in Christ more and more and more. God allows testing, but he does not tempt. Who is that? That is your adversary, the devil, tempting you. Don't, see, when you say that God tempts you, what you're saying is there is evil in God. That's terrible theology. Bad theology, so don't, that, that's just a side note. By the way, I wasn't going to go there, but I just did, so there you have it. That was free of charge. But watch this. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Verse 14, temptation comes, though, from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when, a, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to, to death. Let's stop right there. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, there's a danger when it comes to temptation and sin. When it is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Let me say it this way. When a person gets to this place in their life where they don't even try anymore to abstain from sin, like they don't even care if they're sinning, when they just allow it to grow, everybody, destruction is on the way. Pain is on the way. Don't ever get to the place. Don't ever get to the place 
where you're not consistently fighting against temptation. Just trust me. You don't want to get to that place because what follows, not good. That's encouraging, right? All right. It gets better. It gets better. Just hang in there. And watch this. It says, it says in verse 16, don't be misled. Like, don't think otherwise. What he's saying is, hey, when I'm writing all this, don't think contrary to what I'm saying here. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. And being misled, I want to point something out. In fact, in your sermon notes today, you're going to see a lot of verses there and a lot of things that are underlined. And every time I underline something, I'm going to be talking about a path. I'm going to be talking about a pathway. So when he's saying, don't be misled, he's saying, hey, don't get off the right path. Don't go to the wrong path. You need to stay on the right path. So you need to think these type of thoughts, and you need to beware that you're going to face tests and temptations. Let me prove this to you even further. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So for all of you in this room, like, well, pastor, I can already tell where this is going, and you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the temptations I face. Well, listen, then obviously you don't know 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So the pity party that you're in, if you're in a pity party concerning temptations in life, can I tell you, you got to step out of that thing because that isn't going to help you. It's not going to help you to compare yourself with other people. The Bible says that's just not, it's just not wise. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, and you will be, he will show you, here's the path again, a way out so that you can endure. Why does it say endure? Because we read that in James chapter 1, God blesses those who patiently endure. Well, it says that because this is a battle for the rest of your life. You know, I had a phone call one time from somebody in their 70s, and they were talking about this ongoing temptation that they have in their life. And they said, Pastor, at this point in my life, I just thought the temptation was going to go away. I just thought it wasn't even going to be there anymore. I always thought, well, after I get in my 60s, after I get in my 70s, I just won't battle with this temptation anymore. And they were so discouraged. Why? Because what they thought was going to go away was still there. And my word to them was, hey, listen, you are called to endure. You're called to continually fight the good fight of faith. You're called to be faithful till your last breath. You're called to endure. And we see, see, we look at people and say, wow, they've got a lot of endurance. That's so awesome. But what you're forgetting is that, is that endurance shows up when you're dealing with pain. When you're dealing with struggles, that's when endurance shows up. See, somebody who's running a triathlon, wow, look at that endurance. You think, wow, endurance. Yeah, but think about the pain the aches, what their legs must feel like as they run or as they, as they bike or as they swim. Everybody know what I'm talking about? 
that when the Bible says you're going to endure, it means, everybody, that there's going to be some struggles in your life. But God is faithful, and he's not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to preach this to you a little bit. Can I preach this morning, everybody? Is that all right? I'm I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, number one, write this down, that temptation is an attraction towards anything that stands in opposition to God's word and God's will. It is anything that is attractive outside of God's word, God's will. Let me say it this way, that God's word is God's will, and God's will is God's word. If you want to know the will of God, you just go to the word of God, and the word of God will give you his will. I promise you that. Let, let, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this in, in another way. Another definition you could say is this, that, that, that temptation promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. That temptation promises satisfaction, but it's at the cost of, obedi- of, 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 of obedience to God. I love what Dr. Tony Evans writes here. He says, Temptation is the battle of spiritual growth, and sin is the hindrance of spiritual growth. Temptation is the battle, sin is the hindrance. How do you know that you're being tempted? Anything contrary to the word of God that is attractive to you, that promises satisfaction, but it opposes the word of God is a temptation, and we need to be victorious over temptations. Number two, temptation is the starting point on the pathway to sin. So so remember, the pathway to victory runs through surrender. The pathway to sin runs through temptation. The pathway to sin runs through temptation, You will never sin without being tempted first. It's just the way that it happens, everybody. So so watch this. Proverbs 22.3 says, and we're talking about the pathway to sin. Proverbs 22.3, a prudent person foresees danger and he takes precautions, but the simpleton goes blindly on. That's the path. Goes blindly on and suffers The consequences. A wise man sees danger, he takes refuge, but a fool, one translation says, but a fool keeps going and suffers for it. Let let me give you another scripture, Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Again, we're talking about the pathway to sin. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. You turn away, you you, you stay off of that wrong path, you stay on the right path, and you just keep moving. You just keep going forward. Let me show you the process of temptation. This comes from Craig Rochelle. I love the way that that he says this, and it's going to make total sense to you. That temptation, temptation begins with a thought. Thought leads to imagination. Imagination leads to justification. Justification leads to a choice, and the choice becomes a sin. 
Okay, so what that means, everybody, is when you are tempted to do something that's contrary to the word of God, that there will be a thought involved, and that thought will lead to an imagination. It'll lead to bigger thoughts, more in-depth thoughts. You'll start playing around with that original thought, and that original thought will come bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the imagination, that bigger thought, leads to justification. You're going to, before you sin, you're going to justify that the sin is okay. Now, maybe you don't justify it as in, well, it's okay, this sin is okay, uh, you know, and, and here's proof that it's okay. Maybe your form of justification is, well, I can sin now, but I'll just ask God to forgive me later. How, I won't, do not raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever thought that thought? Well, I can just sin now and I'll just ask God to forgive me later. Listen, that, that's taking advantage of grace. We don't do that. I should say we, we, we do do that, but we shouldn't do that. That's not the way we're meant to live life, everybody. So a thought leads to imagination. Imagination leads to justification. You're going to make up an excuse, and then you're going to make a choice. And that choice becomes a sin. I've talked to a lot of people about a lot of different areas, and it's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same. That a lot of times people will say, well, well, I got so mad that I sinned. And oftentimes they'll follow that with, well, I couldn't help myself. It reminds me of um, the word that we used to, li- to, to say when I was growing up is the word baloney. It's all, it's all baloney, everybody. Well, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help it. Yes? You could, because nothing is impossible. When you're in Christ Jesus, nothing is impossible with Christ in you. That you don't, you, you cannot say, well, I was forced to sin. No, you chose it. You chose to let the words fly. You chose to let the thoughts go. You, you, you chose to, to live it. You chose to go there. You chose to do that. It was a choice. It was a choice. It was a choice. Why? How did you get there? Because a thought turned into imagination. Imagination turned into justification and excuse. That turned into a choice, and the choice became a sin. Can I tell you how to stop that? You don't ever let it go to imagination. You stop it when it's just the thought. You stop it at the very beginning. Let me say it this way. The easiest point to conquer temptation in your life is at the very first thought of it. After that, it doesn't get easier to conquer that temptation. I'm trying to help you out here today. You got to pull a Barney Fife on that thing. You got to nip it in the bud. How many know what I'm talking about? How many Barney Fife fans in this room? All right, me too. You got to nip it in the bud. Watch this, everybody. Now I'm, I'm teaching you something here that's so powerful. Your first step, your first step, your first step, when you, when you first think the thought, your first step, it doesn't get easier than right when you think the thought to break that temptation, to conquer that temptation. Watch this, number three, every temptation is an invitation. You have to think of every temptation as an invitation not to sin, but an invitation to focus on Christ. Every temptation is an invitation. 
But as Christians, it's an invitation to focus on Christ. How many are with me so far? Temptation is always an invitation. An invitation to sin or an invitation to overcome. An invitation to focus on your adversary and his will for your life or an invitation to focus on Christ and his will for your life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. It's a pathway, everybody. It's a path. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects Our faith. See, temptation is an invitation to focus on Jesus. It's an invitation to live your life as a conqueror. It's an invitation to overcome the things of this world because Christ is in you. Let me say it a different way. And I've said this before and I'll say it again that we don't have, if you're constantly not only being tempted but giving in to temptation, You don't necessarily have a sin issue. You have a relationship issue. You need a stronger relationship with Jesus. You need to focus more on Jesus. You don't have a sin issue. You have a relationship issue. And what you need to do, you know, if thoughts lead to imagination, imagination leads to justification, justification leads to choice, choice leads to sin, and we stop it at thought, we stop it at the very beginning, that the way to do that is is instead of imagining what it would be like to give in to that sin and how good that would feel, you have to imagine what it would be like to be free, totally free in Christ Jesus. To break, you have to, you have to imagine, you have to have a vision. What would it be like if every, if every chain of bondage in my life was broken? What would that be like? I would, I would challenge you, imagine that. What would that look like? What would it look like if you conquered sin on a daily basis? If you didn't didn't give in to temptation, what would that look like? You're like, oh, that would be awesome. Well, you need, you need to put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm gonna teach you next week other ways to avoid temptation because there are other things that you should do. But the first step that you do The first step that you make is you set your eyes on Jesus Christ. You know, it reminds me of a verse in in, in Hosea. Hosea is a wonderful book. If you haven't read it lately, I would encourage you to do so. Hosea marries Gomer. Gomer's a prostitute. And the Lord tells him to. Can I tell you something, new song? The Lord's not going to tell you single people to go marry a prostitute. It just ain't going to happen, everybody. This is this Hosea's story. It's not yours, all right? And God tells Hosea to go marry this prostitute, and he does, and then he starts having children, and God tells him to name these children certain names because it's a, rep, it's a representation of what Israel, the nation of Israel, is going through. And in Hosea chapter 2, as God is speaking to this prophet, 
This prophet is explaining what Israel, what the Israelites, the children of God have been going through and are going through and what they need to do in surrender. And this is something that God tells Hosea about the Hebrew children. And of course, he calls this nation, the Hebrew children, well, he says she, meaning that the, the Israelites. She doesn't realize that the Israelites don't realize, God says, that it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. But she gave all of my gifts to Baal. She didn't realize that I was giving her all of these great things. And she turned around. And she gave those things to something that she thought would bring pleasure. She gave those things because she had the wrong focus. She had the focus of a false god. And she gave herself to the false god. Can I, can I tell you something that we're, we're oftentimes not any different, that God has given every single one of you, that he's given you gifts, he's given you treasures, he's given you wonderful blessings. But it's so easy to be tempted by a Baal, to be tempted by a false god, to be tempted by something that is contrary to the word of God. It promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. How many times have you done that? You've taken the things that God has given you and you turned your back on God and you just, you just gave yourself to the world. But notice the difference here. This is just a few verses later in Hosea 2.15. He says, He's talking about the restoration of Israel. He says, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble, which is a whole sermon in itself, into a gateway of hope. And she will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, when restoration takes place, when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. And this is, this is what the Lord told me this morning, that we are the bride of Christ. You realize that, right? As children of God, we are the bride of Christ. And I think the lot, a lot of times people who consistently give in to sin, they give in to temptation, is because they have this master relationship. This master relationship. Is Jesus Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. But can I tell you something more special to God? Would that would would, the, would that would be that you look past just him being master and you look at him as husband, as friend, as somebody you're very, very close to. Let me say it this way, as somebody 
that you're in a relationship with because how many know servants typically aren't in relationship with the master? They're just servants. I, lived, I know because I lived that life for a long time. God was my master, but he wasn't my friend. God was my master, but I was just his slave. I was just his servant. I, I, wasn't, in a, I wasn't in a life-giving relationship with him. And my focus was on obedience instead of relationship. But when your focus is on, be, on, on obedience, you're going to find out how often you really fail. But when your focus is on your relationship, when your focus is on the Savior, the friend that we have in Jesus, how many know he's a friend to the friendless, the Bible says? So when our focus is on our friendship with Jesus, all of a sudden we're not focusing on sin anymore. We're focusing on this life-giving relationship. And all of a sudden, you've just naturally turned your back onto the things of this world because you're facing a Savior who brings freedom to your life. I'm just challenging you today. You don't have a sin issue. You have a relationship issue. You fix the relationship the temptations won't be nearly as strong. Will they be there? Yes. Will they be as strong? No. And that's how great men and women of God live free from sin because they stopped focusing on their sin and they started focusing on their Savior. That's how it works. That's the one challenge I have for you today. It's just one thing. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? Where's your focus? How many know if you're on a diet and you wake up every single day and you think to yourself, I'm not going to think about food. 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 How many know you're going to think about food all day long? You know what I'm saying, right? See, when you put your focus on what you're not going to do, all of a sudden you're focused on that all day long and you're probably... Well, just one isn't going to hurt. I can have one Twinkie. I mean, come on, I used to eat two. So you see what I'm saying, everybody? But when you focus on the Savior, not on the temptation, not on the sin, I'm telling you, it'll bring freedom to your life. Let's stand up together. This is a, such a simple word, but it's a powerful word. And I want to ask you to do something. Just bow your head really quickly, if you don't mind, and just nobody looking around. I, I told... At the beginning of the service, if you didn't know Jesus, you're going to have the chance to do that, to totally surrender your life to him. We try to ask this question every single chance that we get because there there could be somebody in this room, you've not come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you, he wants to set you free. He wants you to experience freedom. And if you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, you haven't done that, but you're ready to, would you raise up your hand really high? Just let me see who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Okay, you can put your hand down. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, I'm going to pray a prayer for the person that raised their hand. They just pray this with me. And then we're going to pray another prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are Lord. I surrender my life to you today. I invite you into my life. Take over my life. Take over my mind. Take over my thoughts. Take over all of me. I give myself to you today. And I thank you that every single person who calls out to you is saved. 
no matter our past, no matter all of the sins that we've had in our life, when we call upon you, we experience salvation that you promised because of your grace, because of your faithfulness, because of your mercy, because of your compassion. I thank you for saving me. And I thank you that my past is gone and I've been made new in Christ Jesus. And I honor you and I bless you and I worship you for doing that. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Now to the rest, if you struggle with temptation, if you just, if you just need to lay some things down today, if you need to get your heart right and settle your heart back on Jesus where it belongs. You've been focusing on the things of this world, but today is a day of repentance for you. Today is a day we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to get my eyes off of the things of this world, and I'm going to set my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you just open up your hands toward heaven? In fact, you may just want to lift your hands toward heaven all across this room. Let's surrender our lives to Jesus. Father, we come into this place today in adoration and worship. We come into this place acknowledging you. We come into this place knowing that we need more of you. We need more of your power, more of your glory, more of your strength, more of your grace, more of your mercy. Lord, we just need more of you in our lives. So, Father, in this moment, we turn our backs to the things of this world and we set our eyes upon you, the one who initiates and perfects our faith. We turn our eyes on you because we realize that we want you more than we want the things of this world. We desire you first and foremost. Lord, your word declares that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. We will be satisfied. And that's our heart's cry today. We hunger. We thirst for righteousness. We thirst for you. Father, change us. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Remind us to worship you. Remind us to focus on you. Father, be with us in every temptation like you promised. You are faithful and you provide a way out. Lord, show us the way out when we're tempted so that we can live life of freedom, live a life of victory. Father, today we choose you. We choose your strength. We choose your power at work in our lives and we reject what the adversary has for us and fully embrace every good and perfect thing that you have for our lives and we declare it, and we thank you that, that victory is ours in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, let's lift up our hands very quickly and just bless him for it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thank you, Jesus, that my past does not dictate my future. I thank you that I've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior and my Lord, and that I'm called to walk in victory. I thank you for it. I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.